Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another story about the Peters children. This week's story, Pierce and Peters Race, reminds us that everything we are and everything we possess is as a result of God's grace. As you listen, pay close attention for the hymn title or a line from a hymn. And when you hear it, be sure to email us at whimsywins at gmail.com. If your correct answer is the first we receive, we will send you a prize. Last week's hymn from the story Daddy Peters Holds Down the Fort was, Is There Anything Too Hard for God? Though we had some answers from some of you, there was no winner. Now I want to talk to you about another contest. The Peters family is expecting twin girls this month. If you would like to be part of naming one of the twins, you can send in a name suggestion to whimsywins at gmail.com. The deadline for entering the contest is November 24, 2019 at midnight Pacific Standard Time. There will be one winner. If the judges select your name, we will send you a prize and one of the twin girls will be named after your winning entry. I also want to take this time to tell you how thankful we are for all the listeners we have each week. If you haven't yet heard all the stories, make sure to go back and listen to the ones you haven't heard. We're still fine-tuning our operation, so occasionally you might hear some mic noise. We're working on it, so don't worry. Or you might even hear a cat named Jack who has a loud meow, or some dogs in the background, or the BART train, or some other strange noise. So thanks for your patience. Lastly, thanks to Emmy from Walnut Creek, California for being one of our listeners. Your grandma let us know that you enjoy listening, and we were thrilled to hear that. Let's get to our story. Pearson Peters Race. It was no secret throughout Evergreen Elementary that Pearson Peters was one of the fastest runners in the school. He was only in second grade, but he could beat every boy in second grade, third grade, and even fourth grade in a foot race. The bottom line is, Pearson Peters loved to run. When Evergreen Elementary announced an upcoming one-mile school-wide foot race, divided up by grade and gender, Pearson knew he would emerge as champion. He could see it now in his mind's eye. On the day of the race, he would be wearing Evergreen's colors, green and yellow. His athletic shorts would be bright green, shimmering in the sun. He would pair them with a gleaming yellow tank top with his favorite number pinned to his back number 85. His socks would be white tube socks, ringed with yellow and green at the top. And his shoes, the elite height lightning trainers known for their speed, would be on his feet. Nothing but the best for Pearson would do. At the start of the race, he pictured himself on the blocks, eyes staring straight ahead in deep concentration. He could see his hair blowing in the light breeze, and the whole crowd, the whole crowd, would be staring past the other runners, right at him. With his biceps bulging and his calf muscles flexed hard, he would be so focused on his race that even the thousand-strong crowd in attendance wouldn't distract him. The only thing that might temporarily break his steely concentration would be the sound of the starter gun signaling the beginning of the race. But before the last decibel of the starting gun could be heard, Pearson would already be off, and in a glorious finish, he would cross the finish line a full three seconds before the next best runner. He could just hear it now as the crowd chanted his name. Pearson Peters! Pearson Peters! Pearson Peters! 
and it would crescendo and reverberate off the walls of the indoor stadium. He could see his victory lap, a light jog around the track, where he would undoubtedly be followed by screaming children chanting his name. A lay, made of green and yellow flowers, would be placed around his neck as he ran his lap triumphantly, carrying the oversized American flag flapping in its magnificent splendor. Several minutes later, he would take the highest podium stand and put his hand over his heart. His eyes would glisten as the national anthem swelled all around the stadium as it played through the giant speakers. His gold medal would be almost too heavy for him to stand up straight, but somehow he would manage. He'd watched the Olympics on TV one time, so he knew exactly what to expect. He was shaken from his daydreaming when Finn Wells loudly broadcast that the bell had rung and that school was over for the day. Come on, Piers! We're going to be late for the bus! Pearson grabbed his backpack and followed Finn out to the front of the school where the bus was waiting for them. The bus was a buzz with an air of anticipation as kids chattered about the big race. Pearson had no problem indulging in the conversation about the race. Penelope, who was sitting next to Pearson, asked, Hey, big bro, you planning to run the race? Pearson, trying to appear casual and cool, answered nonchalantly, I don't know. Maybe. Penelope was aghast. Maybe? Pierce, you're like the fastest kid in school. You've just got a race. Pearson did his best to suppress a smirk and put on an air of false humility. Well, I don't know if I'm actually the fastest, but wow, thanks. Finn Wells interrupted. Piers, of course you're the fastest. You've just got a race. Man, I can't think of a boy who's going to beat you. And I heard they're giving out pretty good prizes for the winner. Well, if you think I can do it, I'll go ahead and register. Pearson finally answered in a slow cadence that suggested that this was not the first time he'd considered entering. Finn replied that he was going to register too. I know I'm not going to win, but it'll be fun anyway. Todd Hicks, who had been listening, perked up. He gave Finn a whack on the back. Finn, who knows, dude? You're a pretty good runner too. You just might win. Pearson bristled inwardly at the idea of anyone winning but him. But before he had a chance to make any sort of statement, the bus pulled up to his house, and Pearson and Penelope got off, waving goodbye to their classmates. At dinner that evening, the children yakked nonstop with Daddy and Mama Peters about the upcoming race. Penelope made an offhanded comment that Pearson was a shoo-in to win, and that no one, no one could beat Pearson. Although, Penelope added, just maybe Finn Wells could win. And just like on the bus, Pearson bristled inwardly at the thought. Mama Peters, who had sat quietly listening, directed her first question of the conversation to Penelope. How about you now? Are you going to run? Penelope responded, Oh, I'm planning to. I have no chance against Emily because she's so fast, but I'm excited just to run. Well, remember, you guys have to pace yourselves, Daddy Peters interjected. Even though you both can run a mile in less than 10 minutes, you'll be exhausted if you go all out for the entire race. Remember, slow and steady wins the race. Pearson didn't quite understand what that meant, but he questioned how anyone who was slow and steady could still win the race. The notion sounded downright silly to him. In Pearson's mind, he was the winner. He would run fast with sudden bursts of speed, and if he did it his way, the medal would be his, and not just any old medal, but a first-place one. In the Olympics that he had watched, none of the winners ran slow, so he was in complete disagreement with Daddy Peter's strategy. But still, Pearson knew that disagreeing with Daddy Peters might get him a scolding, so he didn't say anything. He would just have to show him. Over the next couple of days, 
Evergreen Elementary had only one thing on its collective mind, and that was the day of the big race. Penelope's art class helped make the banners for the big day. Pierce's class blew up countless green and yellow balloons that would be fastened on the fences of the track. All of the classes were assigned different roles to help with Evergreen Elementary's race day, and the teachers even got in on the fun by sponsoring a teacher's race, which would be one lap run by a teacher from each grade. The idea of racing teachers produced as much glee and excitement in the Evergreen students nearly as much as a race between their peers. They couldn't wait to cheer on their favorite teacher. Plans were made for after the race, too. A small dessert reception would be held, and each family could sign up to bring a dessert if they so chose. Mama Peters, always one to go above and beyond, despite being very pregnant with twin daughters and being oh so close to her due dates, volunteered to make ten pies. Ten pies! So on Friday evening, the day before the big race, Penelope and Pearson found themselves in Mama's kitchen, helping to roll out pie dough as Mama Peters filled each crust with blackberries, or apples, or cherries, or pecans, or chocolate, or lemon, or whatever else Mama Peters could come up with. The smells in the kitchen wafted to Daddy Peters' nose in the living room, and before long, drew him in as he volunteered to be a taste tester for the cause. I'm here to help out with quality control, Daddy Peters said with a smile on his face and a tablespoon in his hand. Mama Peters laughed <laughs> and directed Daddy Peters to sample the chocolate-filled pie crust first. He wasted no time digging into the pie with his spoon. Mama Peters watched as Daddy enjoyed the chocolatey goodness. What do you think, dear? She didn't really need to ask because she got Daddy's message loud and clear with a series of noises and words he made. Mmm! Oh! So good! Yum! After watching Daddy in his newfound job of taste tester, Penelope chimed in. Mama, if you want, I can try some of the cherry filling and be a taste tester too. Mama couldn't help but laugh again <laughs> and told Penelope that she didn't mind if she and Pearson tasted some of the pies. Nobody needed to be told twice. Immediately, they began shoveling bites of different flavors of pies into their mouths. After a dinner of pizza, Pearson and Penelope went to bed early for a Friday night in hopes of getting a good night's sleep before Saturday's activities. Pearson and Penelope needed no wake-up calls on Saturday morning. They were up bright and early and raring to go. With a sliver of pomp and ceremony, Pearson put on his evergreen elementary t-shirt and black running shorts. He tied the laces on his high tennis shoes and looked himself up and down in the mirror. It wasn't quite the vision he had imagined, but it would have to do. He left the mirror to help Mama Peters, who was furiously loading the car with all of the pies. Each of the pies had a place in the car where they wouldn't tip over on the ride to Evergreen. Since there wasn't room for all of the pies, Mama Peters had designated three pies for the laps of Pearson, Penelope, and herself. Mama's one concern was that, with her burgeoning belly, she might not have room on her lap for a single pie. They loaded up the car and then gathered around the table for a pre-race breakfast of oatmeal with milk and bananas, some blueberries, some strawberries, and an energy bar. Daddy Peters prayed and thanked the Lord for the food and asked for the Lord's protection over the day. After he finished praying, he asked the children, Are you nervous for the big race? Pearson shook his head. Nah, just excited. But Penelope answered with a giggle. <laughs> I'm so nervous. I can hardly eat. I feel like my knees are knocking. Mama Peters patted Penelope's hand. Sweet girl, we will be praying. The Lord can calm your nerves. It was finally time to head out to the big race. They could hardly wait to get to Evergreen. After arriving and parking the car, they noticed that people seemed to be everywhere. The atmosphere was absolutely electric. 
The school was decked out in green and yellow balloons and banners, which were fluttering in the slight breeze. The stations were in place for the participants, and the first race would be run by the kindergartners. First grade would be the next set of runners, with the second grade following, and so on. The teacher's one-lapper would close out the day. At the start of the kindergarten race, the Peters family stood on the sidelines, watching. Though Pearson and Penelope were barely older than the kindergartners, they thought the kids were adorable. Next up was the first grade race. Penelope hugged Mama and Daddy Peters and Pearson and started for the track with the first graders. She was feeling some butterflies in her stomach, and her face was flush with nerves. She waited patiently for the whistle, and when she heard its sharp, ear-splitting tweet, she took off running. With each lap around the track, Penelope looked up into the stands and was comforted by the loving faces of her family. Her nerves died away, and she was able to run, harder than she could ever remember running before. She noticed Emily's blonde pigtails bobbing in front of her. But surprisingly, Emily wasn't that far ahead of her. It was a serendipitous discovery, since it had been a foregone conclusion that Emily would be the winner. That was just the encouragement Penelope needed, to press on hard. So on her fourth and final lap, she kicked her legs into high gear, and with her remaining energy, she ran even harder than before. She was shocked and delighted when she crossed the finish line only seconds behind Emily. She had gotten second place. She was beside herself with joy. The principal, Mr. Steeling, gave her a red ribbon and a big hug and sent her back to Daddy and Mama Peters, who congratulated her with hugs and kisses. Pearson, too, gave her a great big hug before walking to the track to get ready for his race. Emily, Penelope's good friend and the first place winner, walked over to the Peters family. Her face was beaming as she held out her arms to hug Penelope. Yay, Pen! That was so much fun! Penelope hugged her friend tightly. Congratulations, Em! Since Pearson's race was set to begin, Penelope didn't have any more time to savor her second-place finish and turned her attention to the track, where Pearson was lined up in a runner's stance. His heart was full of anticipation, along with some nervousness. The whistle blew, and the race was on. Penelope watched as Pearson sprinted out in front. Daddy Peters was thinking out loud, Oh no, he's never going to make it. Slow down, Piers! Mama Peters yelled out frantically. But as Pearson rounded the track, a full half-lap length ahead, he glanced up with a smug smile on his face and ran even harder. On his second lap, Pearson began to tire ever so slightly and took a quick look behind him. He realized that no runners were even close to him, so he relaxed somewhat and slowed his pace to try to catch his breath. He couldn't hear what Mama Peters was yelling in the stands, but he supposed that they were cheering for him and were as excited as he was. As he slowed down, he felt even worse. His legs ached, and he felt as if he could not catch his breath. As he neared the end of the third lap, he heard a sound he wasn't accustomed to hearing when he raced. He was such a fast runner that he usually left the other runners in the dust, but not this time. The sound he heard startled him and threw him off his game plan. It was the sound of the runners behind him, and they were getting closer to him. Concerned, Pearson glanced behind him and could see Finn Wells only a few paces back. With all his might, Pearson ran the next ten steps as hard as he could, but it was too late. Finn had caught up and passed him, and then the next runner passed him, and then the next runner. Pearson's muscles gave out, and he thought he was going to collapse on the fourth lap. 
He began to sob as every other second grader passed him, heading for the finish line. He considered deliberately tripping to make it seem like he was injured, and that it was the injury that had caused him to lose in such a humiliating fashion. But just as he began to enact his plan, and might afford him a modicum of dignity, he observed that Mom and Daddy Peters had moved to the edge of the track where they firmly and clearly yelled, Pearson! You need to finish strong! Finish strong, bud! Pearson yelled back through the tears, I can't! But Mama and Daddy Peters yelled even louder this time, Yes, you can! You can do this! With the tiny bit of energy he had left, Pearson finally crossed the finish line, dead last, a full minute behind Finn Wells, the first place winner. He was mortified. To his astonishment, however, no one seemed to be paying any attention to him because the third grade racers were assembling on the track and the awards were being handed out to the first three winners of the second grade. That offered Pearson some relief as he walked over dejectedly with his head down to Mama and Daddy Peters. They held out their arms to Pearson in a hug. Pearson felt himself beginning to cry afresh. Daddy Peters quietly remarked, Buddy, don't worry about it. Let's have fun with some dessert, and we'll talk later. Plus, you need to go congratulate Finn. Pearson caught sight of Finn, and in spite of his heart being heavy with sadness, he congratulated Finn on his win. Finn graciously hugged him. Thanks, Piers. I can't believe it, but you had a great race, too. Obviously, Finn had not seen Pearson's finish, and Pearson certainly didn't want to focus on it. He mumbled a quick thank you and walked away. After the last race, which was the teacher's one-lapper, the Peters left for home where Pearson knew he would be getting a good talking to. Everything in him wanted to avoid talk of the race. He was embarrassed, ashamed, and chagrined that he had lost so badly. He also knew that Finn would be known as the fastest runner in school for now. He just wanted to shrivel up in a hole and hide in there for at least a week. And he would have, too, if Mama and Daddy Peters had let him. After showering, Pearson came downstairs to a dinner of spaghetti and meatballs. After Daddy Peters had prayed over the meal, Pearson devoured his dinner. He was surprised that he could be so hungry. A family discussion ensued as the Peters rehashed the day's events. People sure did love your pies, dear. Daddy Peters directed his comment to Mama Peters, who responded, Oh, thanks, hon. I'm just glad they're gone and that we didn't have to lug any leftovers home. Daddy Peters continued where he had left off. And Penelope, that was quite a race today. Thanks, Daddy. I didn't expect to win anything, but it was so fun. I agree with Daddy Peters, Pen. It was quite a race. You ran it really well. You conserved your energy, and you used it right when you needed it. Praise the Lord. Mama Peters was effusive in her praise of Penelope, and of the Lord as well. Pearson could only stare at his empty plate, which had the remnants of his spaghetti and meatballs. He really wasn't up to hearing about all that he had done wrong in the race. But Daddy Peters had turned his gaze toward him, and there was no escaping. Pierce, perhaps the Lord is teaching you something about humility. God has blessed you with a talent, buddy. He's given you an ability to run with speed. You can hone your skills by practicing hard, but the gift is from the Lord. Everything you have is from Him. He wants us to look to Him for the victory. I wonder if you did that today. Pearson didn't answer immediately, because he looked a little bewildered by the question. What do you mean, Daddy? Well, do you remember that I reminded you that slow and steady wins the race? It doesn't seem that you took that advice to heart. In fact, it seemed like you used your own faulty wisdom in the race. 
There is a verse in Proverbs that might help to explain what I mean. The horse may be prepared for battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. When we trust Him, we show that we understand that every single thing, or gift, or talent that we have, is from His good hand. If you had won the race today, the credit always has to go to God, who gave you the talent in the first place. Pearson began to comprehend all that Daddy Peters was saying. His voice started to quaver as he choked back the tears. Oh, Daddy, it's so true. I went out there thinking that I was going to win, and I would win hands down. I didn't even think of good strategies for running the race, because because I thought there wasn't even going to be a question about who would win. And I know that, like Mama always says, pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. And that happened to me today. I was proud, and I think that's what lost me the race. But Finn ran really well, and he deserved to win. Now it was Daddy Peter's eyes that were filled with tears. Hey, bud, you may have acted like a toddler out there today, but I'm thankful that right now you're acting like a man. It takes a whole bunch of humility to confess our sin and to recognize our faults. I'm thankful that you obeyed and finished the race and didn't make any excuses for yourself. Praise God for the work he's doing in your life. So to God be the glory, great things he has done. Pearson felt as though a gigantic boulder had been lifted from his shoulders after admitting a sin of pride and conceit. Confessing our sins to God and to others has a way of doing that. He felt a lightness of heart, so much so that he suddenly remembered the pies that Mama had baked for the race. Hey, Mama, I didn't get a chance to eat any of your pie today because my mouth was too full of humble pie. But now I could eat a whole pie all by myself. Is there any left? Guess what, Pearson? I happen to have a pie that I set aside just for our family, Mama said. We can make it all a mode, too, because we've got some vanilla ice cream. Daddy Peters got up from the table and grabbed the pie from the top of the fridge. Mama cut an enormous slab of pie and topped it with ice cream. Here you go, Piers. You get the first slice. And I can guarantee, she playfully declared, this pie is going to taste a whole lot better than the humble pie you ate today. Because his mouth was stuffed with pie, he could only nod in agreement. Though he did manage to say, Thanks, Mama. This pie tastes so good. Hey there. We hope you love the story today. I know I did. The story is full of biblical truths that all of us should remember and put into practice. The big one that Daddy Peters wanted Pearson to understand is that God is the giver of gifts. If you have a special talent, don't forget, God's the one who should get the glory. Let me read a verse from the Bible. It's found in 1 Corinthians 4-7. For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? In other words, everything you have, you receive from God. So you shouldn't boast or brag about your gift because you didn't do anything to deserve it from God. It was because of his kindness that he gave you a talent or an ability. And you know what? No one likes a bragger, so don't brag. Thank the Lord when you make a great play or when you do well in a recital or your grade on a test is the highest grade in the class. Let's do our best to make Jesus' name famous. Okay? We hope you come back next week for another Peter's Children's Story. 
Bye for now.